What if I told you the financial situation that you really desire is a lot closer than you think? Whether you're interested in becoming debt free, learning how to invest your hard earned money, or just want to take your finances to the next level, you're in the right place. The Plenty Money Podcast is for anyone who believes that financial freedom is possible. What's up, everybody? Cornelius Davis here. Coming to you today from Atlanta, Georgia. Enjoying this lovely Memorial Day weekend. You know, Memorial Day weekend is probably my favorite time here in the city. You, know, you got the Jazz Festival. You got the Atlanta Carnival Festival. You got the Black Wall Street events. There's plenty of social events going on throughout the metro. So Memorial Day weekend in Atlanta is always a good time if you're looking for a place to go. Anyway, I want to welcome you all to another segment of the Plenty Money Podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. It's been a minute since my last post, and I've received some passive-aggressive messages from some of the listeners. <laughs> I appreciate you all calling me out for not posting anything. Things have been extremely busy lately, and I had some critical deadlines to meet on a couple of projects that I'm involved in. Those things have just been demanding on my schedule. But anyway, I know you all didn't tune in to hear me talk about me. And so I'll go ahead and get to today's segment. Today, we're discussing abiding by a financial code of conduct. You know, one of the things that I've learned being a financial planner is just how much emotion and psychology influences people's financial decisions. And I've also learned how crucial it is to put up guardrails to prevent emotional and psychological whims from running you off the financial cliff. And so in today's segment, I'm talking about the importance of establishing a financial code of conduct. You know, truth is, I don't know anyone who doesn't want to experience financial freedom. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to live debt free. But on the other hand, I know plenty of people who are caught up in behaviors that prevent them from achieving these things. And from what I've witnessed, most of the financial struggles are rooted in poor financial habits. You know, there's a lack of a compass that establishes the do's and the don'ts and the never ever's as far as money is related. And so I want to cover maintaining a financial code of conduct. You know, I'll talk about what a financial code of conduct is and why it's important to have one. I'll cover a few of the core elements of a financial code of conduct. And then I'll wrap up with five steps that you can take to establish your own financial code of conduct. What's a financial code of conduct? Well, in a nutshell, it's a set of parameters that help to guide your financial decisions. You know, a code of conduct establishes a set of norms and responsibilities for the way that money gets handled. And the overall purpose of a financial code of conduct is to keep your day to day financial decisions in line with your overall financial principles. And so why is a financial code of conduct important? A financial code of conduct establishes a set of internal guardrails that help curb random and compulsive financial habits. You know, we're all prone to these things uh, from time to time. The problem is these types of habits can cause people to dig themselves into a pretty deep financial hole. 
And these habits can also come with feelings of guilt and failure once people realize the financial mess that they've created. What exactly is included in a financial code of conduct? And so now I don't have time to cover all of the potential elements that should be included in your financial code of conduct, but I will touch on the three areas that I see getting people in the most trouble. Area number one is staying in your financial lane. You know, as far as material goods are concerned, the nicest things cost the most money. And who doesn't like nice things? Well, that said, everyone doesn't have the same financial capacity to afford these nice things. And some people don't like to hear it, but if you're making average money, then you should be making average purchases. However, I realize that credit approvals make it possible for people to do more than they probably should. And uh, it allows people to overextend themselves and live beyond their means. And this is a trap that any one of us could get caught in. Uh, recently, I was visiting a city where a friend of mine from high school currently lives. Before the trip, I reached out to him to let him know that I would be in town. And he said, oh, yeah, cool. Just let me know where you're staying and I'll swing by and pick you up, take you out so you can check out the city. And so when he came by, I noticed that he was driving a $150,000 vehicle. Now, for the money that he earns, that vehicle was perfectly appropriate for him. But for me, on the other hand, that particular vehicle was outside of my financial lane. But the very first thought I had when I saw it was, I want one. And so, you know, could I have acted on that impulse and went out and got one? Sure. You know, did I go buy one? No. And I didn't go buy one because... Number one, that vehicle was outside of my financial lane, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. Number two, it would have violated my financial principle of paying cash for the vehicles that I drive. And so staying in your financial lane is a crucial part of your financial code of conduct. You know, regardless to how much you like something you see and regardless to how hard you work every day and regardless to the fact that we only live once or any other justification that people come up with to justify poor financial decisions. Number two, guarding against compulsive urges to spend. You know, and this one gets into the psychological and emotional piece that I mentioned earlier. You know, compulsive spending habits are sabotaging a lot of people's financial situation. You know, whether that's uh, constant shopping, whether it's eating out too much, whether it's Spending money because you're depressed or just simply having to have everything you see. You know, a financial code of conduct can help address some of these issues. You know, I know people who pay off large credit card balances and then swear that they'll never, ever run the credit card up again, only to turn around and let their compulsive habits put them right back in that same predicament. And compulsive urges to spend is a tricky one because it's not purely a money management issue. You know, there's some personal things going on beneath the surface. You know, poor financial choices just happen to be part of the fallout. And so a financial code of conduct can help you recognize when these destructive habits are causing you to make decisions that are contrary to the way you want to behave with your money. Area number three is making sure you're maximizing your money. 
you know, money is a resource. And I know it can be difficult to see it that way sometimes, given how fast it goes, especially right about now when it costs a small fortune just to fill up your tank and fill up your fridge. But at the end of the day, your money is indeed a resource to you. You know, whether you use some of it to increase your earning potential or whether you use part of it to invest for your future. You know, your money is part of your resources and maintaining a financial code of conduct is a way to help you maximize your resources. You know, and a financial code of conduct reinforces principles like carrying credit card balances and paying 20 plus percent interest isn't okay for me. Or paying my bills late, getting slapped with late fees and taking hits on my credit report isn't okay for me. Or not saving any of the money I work so hard to earn isn't okay for me. Or not owning any appreciating assets is not okay for me. And so I want to wrap up by sharing five steps that you can take to establish your own financial code of conduct. Number one, lay out your core financial principles. And what I mean by core financial principles is things like uh, making sure you're maximizing your earning potential, uh, avoiding debt as much as possible, spending less than you earn, growing your money through investments or giving money to others. You know, these are some examples of financial principles that somebody may have. And so the first thing you want to do is make a list of your financial principles. Number two, you want to make a list of financial behaviors that are in harmony with those financial principles. Number three, you want to make a list of behaviors that are in conflict with those financial principles. And then number four, once you create your list of financial principles, you want to put that list side by side with your monthly budget to see how well your financial choices line up with your financial principles. And then number five, last but not least, you want to commit to behaving in ways that are in harmony with your overall financial principles. And that's all I have today. You know, I hope you got something useful from this segment. If you have questions about anything I shared, you can reach out to me at contact at CorneliusDavisJr.com. As always, I thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your week. When it comes to taking your finances to the next level, surrounding yourself with like-minded people provides a tremendous boost. Being able to share ideas, receive encouragement, and leverage opportunity increases your chances of financial success. I created the Personal Economy Community to provide a virtual location for people to connect with others on similar financial journeys. If you're interested in improving your finances in any way, the personal economy community is the place you want to be. That's personaleconomy.com. Personal, E-C-O-N-O-M-E.com.